patients will have more certainty around genetic test diagnoses thanks to research led by Otago University. The hope is that we can use genetic testing to intervene early and prevent some genetic diseases like cancer. Associate Professor Logan Walker is from the University of Otago, Christchurch's Department of Pathology and Biomedical Science and was a leading member with eight international researchers on this paper. Logan joins us now. Hello. Hello. Nice to talk to you today. Um, Can you explain uh, the progress you've made on this? Yeah, the the ultimate goal of the study really was to improve genetic health around the world and uh, so that more people could benefit from this health service. And the way that we have to do that is trying to decipher this very complex genetic code. Uh, Sorry, we'll come back to you after this cross to Andrew Costa. Let's return to Associate Professor Logan Walker, University of Otago Christchurch, and we're talking about breakthroughs in genetic test diagnoses. And Logan, I was about to ask you, uh, how are genetic tests used currently? What are the benefits and what are the limitations? Yeah, so genetic testing, um, it it helps... uh, identify changes in the patient DNA that might indicate that they're at increased risk of a disease or whether you know those changes actually are benign and unlikely to cause harm. Um, we already have genetic testing embedded in our health system and it helps doctors decide on um, how best to treat patients, uh, whether it be treatment for symptoms, disease, um, or maybe preventative therapies that stop them um, developing those uh, diseases. So you do the genetic test, you note some changes in the DNA and then you make a call on whether to treat or otherwise deal with those changes. Um, What is the breakthrough you've made or as I said what are the limitations of that testing? Yeah we've got some wonderful machines that can generate huge amounts of data and our, our genetic code is just so complex. There's a lot that we understand about it, but there's so much more that we don't. So we can very easily take um, blood often um, and look at DNA, uh, look at particular genes, depending on what is, might be expected, if there's a family history of cancer or other types of disease. You look at the, the sequence that those machines return, you look to see what sequence you expect to see, you identify um, a change in the code and then you have to work out whether it's harmful or not. And that's when we start applying um, rules or a framework um, based on our limited understanding of our genetics. And what our study has done is has allowed us to go a little bit deeper. So we have a bit of an instruction manual for understanding our genetic code, but it's, it's missing lots of pages. And what we've done by targeting a a particular component of the cell called RNA is we've able to insert some pages back into that instruction manual and say we can now look at this RNA molecule and if we identify specific aspects um, that are changed about that molecule as a result of the genetic change, then we can apply types of evidence. And, you know, being like a detective, DNA detective, you can start to come to a conclusion whether or not the genetic change is harmful or not for the patient. Okay. And uh, a lot of people listening will be at the limits of their understanding in terms of uh, some of the terms you're using. Um, 
but can you tell us how big a breakthrough it is and what sort of difference it might make in medical treatment? Yeah, it's it's a, um, a major uh, advance in, in being able to do genetic testing in a way that gives uh, doctors uh, or people that work in diagnostic labs confidence in the information that is being returned to the patient so that they can make decisions uh, you know, about their future and uh, the doctors can make decisions about um, patient management and so on. So the, uh, what we've done is not really a, a, a scientific discovery, as, as it were, but we've, we've taken in some, some large data sets and used all that information to be able to empirically derive uh, rules that now diagnostic labs all around the world can can apply and they're already applying and we're, we're getting you know some lovely comments from from people um, thanking us for providing a, a guidance on on how to um, take that step and oh that's fantastic that must be uh, very rewarding it is yes yeah what sort of cancers are we talking about Logan oh sorry if I mentioned cancer it's all all types of genetic diseases the trouble is I'm a cancer um, biologist and geneticist and so if I slip that out in the conversation, that's because of the area that I'm mm. uh, based in. But so a number of cancers can be associated with a, a syndrome. If, um, a while back, Angelina Jolie uh, spoke about her mutation in uh, the BRCA1 gene, which increased the risk of breast and ovarian cancer. So we have a hereditary breast and ovarian cancer syndromes, but there are many other syndromes which can give rise to, to cancers and other diseases. And uh, and these are all based on the genetic information that we inherit from our mother or father that can have a big impact on our our health um, in our lifetime. Yeah. That, a lot of people will know that um, Angelina Jolie's story. Is that, like, is that, um, will the diagnosis or the prognosis around that actually change as a result of the work you've done? Will women in particular be more um, able to know the likelihood that um, that a, I think it was a double mastectomy is necessary or does that sort of that choice remain? Yeah, it, I, I don't think it was, it's probably not needed for Angelina because they were probably pretty certain of what the, mm-hmm. the change was doing but we have this sort of um, enigma within uh, genetic testing. We generate these results, we call them variants of unknown clinical significance and it's basically genetic code changes which go on the two hard basket because we don't know what to do. But the patients are aware of this and it creates a lot of anxiety and not only in the patient but their family because we're talking about genetics which is shared amongst their whanau. So, um, you know, and not just the people that are alive today, it's future generations. So it's really important that we we take this information out of the two hard basket and, and and determine whether or not this is actually important, um, whether it's something that can be acted on. Tell me about working with international researchers, Logan. That must have been interesting and, and no doubt rewarding. Yeah, so a lot of my research is embedded with these large international consortia and um, within one of these consortia, we there was a group of us who got together and uh, so some of the people on the paper I've never met in person. Uh, you know, we just had lots of Zoom meetings and uh, comparing results and discussions over a period of more years than I'd like to um, think about. Mm. But we had um, it's just a very collaborative nature that occurs within a lot of 
disciplines, but uh, especially uh, cancer and, and genetics. So working with people who are just, you know, are just very, very clever and, uh, you know, it was a great privilege to be a part of it. Yeah, how much um, work or how many years' work has gone into the publication of this paper, I think, which um, will be in the American Journal of Human Genetics? Yeah, we, we actually started meeting possibly about five years ago um, with the aim of, of doing this. And over the period of five years, the study just got bigger and bigger. So the paper that was actually published is, is a lot larger than the typical scientific paper because we just had so much information to include. And, and I think that's one of the, uh, the joys of, of seeing that finally in print that other people can read and digest and, and critique, actually. So um, it was uh, a tremendous amount of work. So there was eight of us who sort of led it, and, and I led the, the, the publication, um, drafting the publication and, and so on. But uh, we, we did expand to bring in expertise from, from other people that we knew would um, you know, benefit uh, our, our work. So, yeah, it was very rewarding. Yeah, and... Obviously, as you, as you say, physicians haven't been waiting for this work to be published to start using it. It's already out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, some have. So, you know, some people are very hesitant about using information until it's gone through this peer review process and being published. But now that it has, you know, it gives them confidence that they can jump on board. But we've been, um, for some of the other work that we've been doing, we've been applying these rules and that for quite some time as part of mm. um, other initiatives and so, you know, they've been um, very much tried and true, um, which, yeah, is, is great. Um, yeah. What's next for you, Logan? What do you, will you continue to work on this particular area or have you moved on to something else? No, no. Um, so I, I guess what we end up doing when you publish something like this, you, you're almost taking the, the, the low-hanging fruit and there's a lot, as I mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot of complexity. So what we're receiving now is, is people asking and saying, yes, fair enough, you've created rules about this, but I've seen a patient with um, this situation. How would you interpret that? And so the, the complexity just increases. Um, so we are, uh, I guess, re regrouping and uh, determining if we can... Um, we've got another, <laughs> another paper in us, which I hope we do, and we'll start looking at um, just filling in those uh, missing instruction uh, sheets for interpreting genetic changes. But the other side is, uh, you know, I'm with research that we're doing here, we're very keen on, um, on you know, cancer prevention. And so understanding genetics is really important for identifying people at high risk. Uh, but other research that we're doing, we're, you know, we're really looking to try and improve the preventative um, nature of, of healthcare and uh, you know, we'd love to stop people having to use our hospitals if possible. So we have an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff sort of model rather than the fence at the top of the cliff stopping people falling yeah. off and we'd like to invest more into the, uh, that fence. Good stuff. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's Associate Professor Logan Walker who led this research and a big breakthrough into the uh, prevention and intervention uh, of genetic diseases like cancer.